Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you. I will fight for you. And I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
song. What a song. The Eye of the Tiger. Happy Monday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. This is Rory Sauter, your host. It is great to be with all of you. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. I hope it was fun. I hope it was productive. Uh, I know mine, mine was. Mine was great. I got a lot done, uh, so it was very productive. I cannot complain. Uh, it is good to be back with all of you. I have missed you. Uh, we had a great show on Thursday, and all our shows last week were fantastic. So many great guests, uh, amazing dialogue, a great things established, everything you could ask for from a show. Uh, like I do every episode, I want to thank all my audience, my co-hosts, my guests, guests and sponsors. You guys are all unbelievable and incredible. Uh, the show is listened to in 23 different countries and on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, it just keeps growing and growing every single day. And uh, I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show uh, doctor, award-winning speaker, professor, veteran, technology expert, best-selling author, and commit, currently the commissioner of Parks and Recreation for Maricopa County, Dr. Bob Branch. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me back on the show. And, Rory, yesterday was Mother's Day, and, you know, it, it did my heart good to see you out on social media with all these pictures of you and your mother yesterday. I, I lost my mother 42 years ago and my stepmother last year, and seeing a young man like you out there, radio host, no, heard in 23 different countries, taking the time out for a wonderful woman that you have as a mother. Thank you, man. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, she, she's fantastic. And I'm sorry for your loss, Dr. Branch. I, I lost my father about eight years ago, and he was my best friend. He was my everything, my soulmate, my mentor. And, uh, you know, me and my mom have became really close since he passed. So it's, uh, it's one now, of Now, has she moved down here from Seattle? I, I know that you're from no, Seattle. She, has she moved down from Seattle? Yeah, she still, she still lives up there. She's up there still. Um, but she's yeah, my be son was born that. up there. Yeah, it's a great. It, you know what, Doctor Branch? It's a great city. I just can't stand the the politics that have destroyed the city. I mean, the the streets up there right now are terrible with needles, feces, tents everywhere. It's turning into San Francisco. It's terrible. Really sad stuff. And we're definitely going to get into that tonight. Um, I also also want to welcome to the show. Um, founder of College Republicans United, founder of Republicans United, and currently the leader of Nationalists United, Kevin Dukeifer. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing wonderfully, Rory. Uh, funny you mentioned Seattle. I'm taking a vacation over there in, uh, next month. I'll uh, see how uh, needly and uh, crappy that uh, city really is. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll like the city. There's a lot to do. It's just the politics are all over the place there. Um, I do want to welcome to the show uh, – conservative talk show host, 2024 presidential candidate, activist, and best-selling author, Daryl King. Daryl, how are you, my friend? And Daryl, I'm sorry hey, I didn't call hey, you brother. yesterday. I will definitely call you I, tonight after the show or tomorrow sometime. My bad, the, man. You took, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, you know, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm chasing after an ex-girlfriend or something. But uh, hey, it's <laughs> good to be here. I, I, want, I want to give a shout out tonight to a good friend of mine, Mr. David Majak. I know he's tuning in and anyone else from the Kane Crusade checking guy, in like and already uh, yeah, great guy already we've got uh, Kevin and Dr. Branch so I'm, I'm uh, already excited and excited to see who else you have lined up for tonight 
God bless you, brother. Back Absolutely. to you. Thanks, buddy. You as well. Um, we also have um, businessman, Twitter activist, activist, businessman, Twitter master, activist, and political strategist, Bill Lambert. Bill, how are you? Welcome to the show. Good. How are you doing today, Roy? Doing well, Good man. Doing very well. Thanks, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, guys, I want to get into the opening story. Um, there, there's a lot going on. You know, where, where do I even start? Um, well, I guess here's where I'll start. Um, breaking news as of about an hour or two ago, um, General Barr has ordered, an, ordered um, a, a, a special counsel, like one of the n- number one lawyers out of, uh, I believe it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's Connecticut, to investigate why the Mueller probe even originated in the first place. So everybody, enjoy the popcorn. It is here. We are making this happen. General Barr is following through. He's not a wimp like Jeff Sessions was. I mean, this, this should have been taken care of on day one. You know, there was no evidence. There was no legitimate cause for them to do this. And this should have been investigated way long ago. It is long overdue. And the fact it took this long is disgraceful to, for, that, for something to happen. I mean, you know, but I will say it's great. And this isn't General Barr's, uh, Attorney General Barr's part. What, this is, sorry, God. This isn't Attorney General Barr's part whatsoever. His, his fault. It's not. I keep, God, I keep saying fart. I don't know why. But he, here's the facts about this. He's been in there three months, and he is opening an investigation into the most important thing in the last two years. Sessions was there for years and didn't do a goddamn thing except recuse himself from investigations and totally act like a deep state operative with some of his antics. Absolutely insane. And the way the media has been leading people the wrong way, the way these politicians on the left, have been leading people the wrong way for all this time. When you have no collusion, you have near about $40 million spent on the investigation. Two years go by. They interview every single person they can think of, even people that aren't even relevant to the investigation. They go on witch hunts into Trump's personal life, and they can't find anything. You, you look at you look at this whole scenario and and you look at the way it played out and it's, it is mind blowing. It's mind blowing that an opposing party can have this much power over someone when they lose an election and don't get their own way. They throw out, they throw uh, in petty investigations to screw with the winner. This is what the left does. They play the victim that they play, they play the card of uh, the individual uh, that uh, never do, acts like they never do anything wrong. There's no, there's no accountability ever from this party, ever. All we see is justification after justification. And we have all these people in the deep state that who knows what 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 the, what else they were capable of, or what else they did behind our backs? We're going to find out more and more every single every single week. I think from now on, we'll be finding out more information because there has to be more corrupt things that the FBI and these department, the DOJ, did 
during these times. If, you, if you're guilty of one thing, you're guilty of a million things. Once you can get away with one thing for so long, like they did, you, you want to see how much more you can get away with. It's, it's true. It, it's the absolute truth. And, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where I don't know if anybody will be in handcuffs in jail. I don't know how well they covered this up. I don't know how well they put stuff sealed so nobody would touch it. I don't know how well, uh, you know, they covered their tracks. If they did cover their tracks good enough, I don't, I don't know if we'll be seeing any jail time from any of these people. And that's my biggest worry, is that these people will not face justice as they deserve. Enough is enough. And don't ever forget this, guys. No president has been tougher on Russia than President Trump. He's been the toughest. There is no doubt about that. He's put sanctions on them like you couldn't believe. Uh, he's stepped up to Putin, has had the, hard, the hardcore talk. I don't know anybody that talks to their boss like Trump talks, talks to Putin. Trump doesn't suck up to Putin. Trump talks like a tough guy to Putin, says how it is, doesn't back down. Uh, let, let's, play, let's play this clip, though, from Tucker. Um, you know, the way, the way the left applauds all of this corruption, all these negative investigations, all this lies, all of this leading people the wrong way, they get a kick out of it. They know what they're doing. They know their sheep are going to buy into it. They know that they need to hold on to this Russian collusion narrative. Otherwise, some of their sheep are, aren't going to be on their side anymore. And let's also never forget, and I've said this on the show many times, this was never about the truth for the Democrats. They never cared about justice. They never cared about if our um, system colluded with the Russians in our election. It did, and Obama knew about it, and they didn't do anything about it. But somehow it's Trump's fault? Give me a break. All they're doing is trying to find any way to bring down our president. They've been doing it since day one. And like I said many times, if there was anything on President Trump, it would have been out long before the election. You saw the best they could do was get that pussy-grabbing tape from 10 years ago to try to ruin his election chances. didn't work. Uh, um, let, let's play uh, this clip from Tucker, though, 1-3. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight, from Philadelphia to San Francisco to college campuses everywhere, suddenly the American pro-life movement, and not just the pro-life movement, but really anybody who has even the mildest qualms about legal abortion, is under attack from the intolerant left, the newly energized and newly radical left. We have footage of the latest attack. It comes from the University of North Carolina. We'll show it to you just ahead. But first tonight, in related matters, one of the most bewildering things to watch over the past couple of years has been the steady migration of the American left from concern about civil liberties to an embrace of authoritarianism. It wasn't that long ago that liberals worried about powerful government agencies that might be stepping on somebody's rights. They had hearings on the subject. They don't anymore. They don't worry about it anymore. They applaud it instead. The left now controls government agencies. They understand that a permanent bureaucracy is a powerful tool of social control, and they know what's on their side. And that's why CNN is suddenly so invested in promoting creepy former bureaucrats like Clapper and Comey and Brennan. Why are they on the tube all the time? That's why. It's also why the news media became absolutely hysterical 
when Trump pointed out that the previous administration had spied on his presidential campaign, which they absolutely did. The press could not admit that. They had to be absolutely certain that you would never believe it. President Trump has a new favorite word, and every time he uses it, he is lying. And that is the word spy. His baseless claims of spies. This is the president of the United States telling people don't believe what this federal government is doing. And that has very, very dangerous consequences. The notion that somehow the FBI implanted, planted uh, someone inside the campaign to spy on the campaign is just not true. There's absolutely no evidence there was a spy. He wants you to believe that his campaign was spied on, and it's one of the worst things that we've ever seen from government. Yeah. It's the governor's brother. They were all lying. <laughs> the people who should have been telling you the truth were hiding the truth. They were acting as willing tools to the surveillance state. They should be ashamed of themselves. They're, of course, not. Just last night, CNN held a town hall starring former FBI Director Jim Comey. It was a pure whitewash. Comey should have paid the network for shilling for him. Spying, Comey said? What an ugly word. Only the Russians spy on people. The FBI doesn't spy. It investigates. The New York Times reported that the FBI sent an investigator posing as an assistant to meet with a Trump aide, George Papanopoulos, in 2016. Does that, qual does that qualify as spying? Yeah, I'm not going to comment on a particular investigative step because that's for the Bureau to do and I'm not in the government any longer. But the FBI doesn't spy to begin with. The FBI investigates. Uh-huh. The FBI investigates. Okay, Jim. And yet moments later, after telling us I'm not going to comment on current operations, Comey changes his mind. He said it was improper to comment specifically, but then he did. Why? Because he had to explain that spying, sorry, investigating presidential campaigns is the most common thing in the world. Totally normal, in his words. But, but sending uh, uh, an investigator undercover to meet with uh, somebody who is connected to the campaign, uh, they claimed he was later on just a coffee boy, um, that is an extreme step, no? No, it's a reasonable... Th that was the guy, Papadopoulos, who was the subject of the information we got from the Australians, that he had talked to the Russians. Did you sign off on the investigator going? I don't remember talking about that particular step of my team. I knew they were trying to see if they could check it out. That's a totally normal step. See if you can get somebody close to the person and see if they'll confirm what we heard from the, the Australians. How would... Yeah, I don't know if I had anything to do with it, but it would be a totally normal step. Really, it would be bizarre if you didn't send secret agents to lie to staffers on a rival presidential campaign to say they would spill information while keeping the whole thing from their boss. It's totally normal. Does Comey think anyone believes that? Does he believe that? Of course he doesn't believe it. The Soviet Union didn't expect people to believe it's propaganda, just to submit to it. Comey's from that school. Everyone knows it's terrifying that the Obama people sent spies on their political opponents. Jim Comey says it's normal and CNN backs him up. So be quiet. If you don't agree with that, you're the enemy. They start to make little compromises to stay on the team, echo his words, use the term spying, talk about collusion, or just be silent, thinking that's what I need to do to survive. And in the process, he has eaten their soul. They're lost. Uh -huh. So ignore the obvious. Agree with me or you have no soul. Who talks like that? The sort of person who will say or do absolutely anything for power. A scary person talks like that.
Not long ago, Jim Comey was one of the most powerful men in the world. He could investigate you or anyone else at will. He could ruin lives if he wanted, and sometimes he did. How did a person like that ascend to a position of such authority in our government? What kind of system would promote a man like that? What kind of media would cover for him? Those are the questions we ought to be asking tonight. If there was one Jim Comey in the federal government, that means there are probably many others, and that should. Look at look at all of uh, of this. I mean, we have people in our government. Listen to this, people. We have we had, or maybe we still have people in our government that can basically get away with whatever they want. They can start any sort of investigation into us. You heard Tucker. Comey had all the power in the world. And you know what bothers me about these people the most? There's a couple things, actually. The fact that they constantly deny, they take, like I said, they take no accountability. They, they act like, you know, everything they do is correct, and you cannot question them or all hell will break loose. And they never pay the price. These people get away with murder. And there was spying. And the fact, the fact that they don't, you know, talk about that and they, they, you know, deny it and constantly justify and find ways around it, new wording for it or new terminology, is disgraceful. Give me a break. Dr. Branch, go ahead. Rory, I'll tell you what. Do you remember in the 2016 election cycle when Hillary Clinton melted down, NBC reported that she said, if I lose, we all go down, and that – I'll go leave out the adjective and the expletive. Let's just say <laughs> she was talking about Trump will have us swinging from a noose. Today's appointment oh, of Durham – Oh, I'll tell you, today's appointment of Durham by uh, A.G. Barr is... I love that guy. God, he's the, got balls. He's got big, giant brass balls. I'll tell you what, and, and we have been talking for, for months now. When will the other shoe fall? Today, yeah. you just heard it fall. Clinton and everybody else involved understand that Durham is not this passive individual. He's a bulldog. And I'll tell you what, I am so happy that this happened today. And, you know, it it just shows that, okay, the the shoe fell. And, you know, and, and we've been talking about it. And it is just so exciting to look at. And he's not just looking at, the Mueller report, he's looking at why the investigation even began and if it was legal. Yeah. And he's looking at spying, period. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. And, you know, let, let's not forget, um, there was a report out the other day. Our, our good friend, Dr. Branch, uh, Joe Arpaio, uh, put out a report that his campaign got spied on uh, through, throughout the years. On It was actually more than one occasion. So, this has been an ongoing thing. It just hasn't came to light enough, to the surface enough. It's been so secretive, you know what I mean? Well, you and I have had the pleasure of knowing the good sheriff out here in the state of Arizona, Joe R. Powell, for an awful long time. Joe yeah. R. Powell, for eight years under the Obama administration, was attacked by the federal yeah. government, by President Obama, 
attacked every single day of eight years. And he came out on top. Trump, same type of investigations against Trump. And Trump came out on top. And now the shoe has fallen. The other shoe has fallen. And I'll tell you what, this is is a day that I have been waiting for. This is this is a phenomenal day, and I can't wait to see what happens. Like you said, get the popcorn. This is going to be exciting. Yeah, and, and you know what? It, it's going to be interesting to see how these Democrats react uh, with their with their throat with them putting out petty investigations when we're putting out the real stuff. I'm curious to see how they're going to push back. You know, I don't I don't think they're going to be as hostile uh, as they as they were. What do you think? Well, and I think the wind out of all the sails of the presidential yeah. candidates on the Democrat side has just been mm-hmm. sucked out. This is yeah. going to be the lead story now for the next two years. And I, I'll tell you yeah. what, when they start arresting people, when people start going to jail, when I hope when, so. when career – oh, when, well, you're going to have career – um, uh, uh, government staffers turn on other government staffers now, and I'll tell you what—you got pensions and everything involved now, and yeah. you're going to see this happen. And to me, yeah, you know, th- this is the day we've been waiting for. You're absolutely right, uh, Kevin. Go ahead, Kevin. Well, yes, Roy, you're so right, and you are not at all underrepresenting the fact of how strong of a person that uh, General Barr actually is right now. I mean, especially considering last week you had the House Judiciary Committee uh, basically threatening and, and trying their best to try to hold him in contempt of of uh, c- contempt of Congress, you know, basically saying that uh, we'd love to lock you up, we're going to do everything we can about it, and uh, uh, General Barr did not step down. He's pushing further and further because he knows that he's actually making great headway, and the Democrats are absolutely uh, in fear of that. Not only that, is that you have the mainstream media continuing to push this narrative, uh, and they never will relent. They, they'll keep going and going. But you know, they, the media is telling all of America, "Hey, we gotta lock this guy up. He he's a threat. He's a uh, he actually is the number one person that could uh, bring this collusion narrative, uh, bring it down." Uh, that uh, they've propped up like a house of cards. So it's absolutely the case where uh, William Barr is going to absolutely make make major headway and uh, expose them for what it is. So he's he's done absolutely wonderful. Excellent. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely you're absolutely right. And uh, you know it's going to be very interesting to see what comes out. Um, Daryl, go ahead. Yeah, so in the past, I've, I've been hesitant to get overly excited until you know meaningful action is taken, and, and this would certainly, this would certainly qualify as meaningful action. I, I agree with all the comments about both Barr and, and Durham, who is indeed a bulldog. This is the right man for the right job, and this is extremely optimistic. And really, this is exactly what we need to be doing. And we opened with a segment with Tucker talking about authoritarianism and the left. And uh, this is obviously a very relevant topic to be discussing. As you know, the the traditional talking point is that uh, the right wing is authoritarian. But the reality is is that uh, one side has been imposing their will on the American people over the last 50 years. 
And that, in fact, has not been the right wing. It has been the left wing. And I would argue that it's incumbent upon the conservative movement to actually rise and meet the authoritarianism of the left because we are in an age of decline and social chaos. And social chaos is almost always remedied by order and authority. And it's very important that that be a good order and authority. And we understand what our values are. Our values are the Christian values upon which our nation is built. And we clearly see the values of our opposition for what they are, which is the exact counter opposite of that or satanic theocracy. So based on the rising authoritarianism and the satanic values of the left, we have a moral responsibility to rise and meet them with appropriate Christian authority. Back to you. Very, very well said. Bravo, bravo. Um, Bill, Bill, go ahead. Well, I don't think, you know, I think Barr got a special counsel because he's found things. You wouldn't do that unless you'd found things that, that right. That there has to be something that. there, otherwise he wouldn't. Otherwise he wouldn't put that out there. Absolutely, he's got investigators that could look into things, and he's got you know inspector generals and and all that. So if he's taking this action now, then he's found things, and it ain't going to be a trumped up FISA warrant on made on you know bogus material or anything like that. He's got real stuff. And you're going to see in the next couple of weeks the left go insane because the, the jig is up. They're caught, and, and people are going to go to jail now, and they know it. And, you, and the media is going to come out in storm, and you just wait to see because it, it's going to be all out, you know, it'll be all out media war because the, they're going to pull that narrative that, that Trump's doing this to collude or not collude but to 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 – you know, hamper justice, and, and this is a witch hunt that they're just going after his opponents, and, and he's making Barr do this. And, you know, but one thing I've seen about Barr is you can't make Barr do anything that Barr doesn't want to do. I don't care if you're Trump. I don't care who you are. He's just not going to do it because he's that kind of guy. And so right. they've, they've, got a bad, they've got a bad few weeks coming because it, it's just like – it, it, people are going to go to jail, and this is what I was saying a month ago: was you just watch, we, you know, Bar let Bar get sit in the seat, let him get established, and he'll start looking into things. And if we see a special counsel appointed, then you damn well know that he's found something, and you know, and and now they're going to pay the toll. Right, uh, Mike, Mike Peters, go ahead, and then I'm going to tell you a commercial. We're going to go to our first guest, but Mike Peters, go ahead in New York. Uh, Ray, I just called in, so uh, you have to bring me up to speed. So it might be better to put me on mute for the next the next round. An hour or two ago, the uh, news came out that Attorney General Barr is launching an investigation into why the Russia probe started. So we we finally have it. We're so it's a, very exciting. Go, go, okay, I'm, I, I, I am. I, I'm very I'm very excited about that. I'm thrilled to hear that it's finally happening. Happening. I didn't hear that, yep. so this is news to me too. But to tell you the truth, I sort of expected Trump to drag his feet, President Trump to drag his feet on this closer to the election so that the maximum amount of damage could be done and it would be fresh and affect and really stay in everyone's mind. Um, But you know what? There might be enough dirt on all of these people that we could have a never-ending supply way past the uh, 2020 election. So, uh, you know, I, I trust their judgment on this, and let's see how it goes. It should be entertaining. 
And when I, everybody, when I brought up earlier um, the, the, the fact that, you know, the, these people that were, were doing this may have, you know, covered their tracks in a certain way, uh, to me, that's the only way that they don't that these people don't go to jail is if they were so good on covering certain things up. I mean, yes, Barr may have access to certain things, but is that the, the key? The question is, is that enough uh, to to put these people away? I, I sure hope so, and and I I feel like it's probably the case because otherwise he wouldn't be wasting his time. So. I really, ha- I really have a good feeling, but we've seen for so long how these higher-ups in our government are very good at covering things up and avoiding consequences, and they have fixers, and we know all about all that stuff. Everybody, uh, we are going to take a qu- quick commercial break, and then we will be right back with the founder of the biggest weather uh, comp- online company in the world, Weatherology, uh, Steve Wallenhouse. We'll be right back, everybody. Where can you find a burger inspired by flavors from near and far that mixes the smoky with the sass of the south? Combines the sweetness of summer with the tang of the country for savory, sizzling, unexpected flavors. Well, you can find it at McDonald's. The new Bacon Smokehouse Burger. It's the newest flavor of the signature crafted recipes by McDonald's. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love like chicken, shrimp, and cheese just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey flat iron steak and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Tier, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 23 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you missed any past episodes, past clips, or need 24 7 breaking news coverage, Please visit my media site, the next, N-E-X-G-E-N-U-S-A.com. And remember, everybody, in the coming weeks, we will be having many notable people that will be doing their own shows on my network. So I'm very excited to share that with all of you. Uh, I do want to welcome our first guest tonight, very successful, very popular guy. He uh, built one of the – it actually is the most on, famous online weather company in the world, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, but meteor, meteorologist – scientist, entrepreneur, best-selling author, and founder of Weatherology, Steve Wollenhouse. Steve, how are you? Hey, great. How are you, Rory? Doing well, man. Did I pronounce your last name right? Very good. Yeah, you should see that on the back of a hockey jersey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Very yeah. good. Um, so, yeah, it... your, first, your first time on the show, I want to like I do with all my guests when they first come on, I want you to kind of tell us how it started, all your success, all, all your chapters in life, uh, how you started weatherology, because uh, I know you've had, you know, amazing things in life and you've had great accomplishments. Uh, you're a very smart dude. You've written books. Uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. 
Well, I appreciate, uh, you know, that Corey, uh, Rory. I mean, I just, it's, uh, for me, my folks were in the radio business uh, growing up. So they owned radio stations. Uh, my dad was the general manager uh, at WCCO radio in Minneapolis, St. Paul back in the sixties, which was the top billing and number one rated AM radio station in the country at the time. And uh, their primary focus was on news, weather information. Uh, and uh, they kind of pioneered uh, what became a very popular format uh in the United States at that time where local programming emphasis on community information, uh, that type of thing was, was very prevalent. So I kind of grew up with that. And then my parents ended up buying some radio stations and owning and operating those. And so as a young person, I was uh, at the radio station often when I was younger. And so I found myself uh, getting to know the on-air people and was fascinated with, uh, what you do, as a matter of fact, uh, as I'm sure you know, it's a something that you just kind of get uh, very passionate about. And so I found myself uh, at a very early age doing uh, some on-air stuff. I had my first radio show when I was 15 years old. And then from there, it just wow. kind of uh, evolved into, uh, uh, you know, uh, a passion for broadcasting. And, and uh, interestingly enough, when I was in college, I had entertained the idea of becoming a meteorologist because uh, the on-air meteorologist at the number one NBC affiliate here in Minneapolis at the time was considered to be the best uh, television weatherman in the country. And I would say unequivocally he was and probably forever will be. He was outstanding and used to do fill-in stuff on the Today Show. And so um, I asked if I could do an internship. We had a uh, kind of a random encounter at a social function and I introduced myself and um, we became friends and asked if I could do an internship and that uh, turned into a two-year uh, internship where I basically dedicated 40, 40 hours a week for no pay uh, to help him out and kind of learn the trade and I did that while I was in college and then um, my first on-air TV opportunity evolved from there and I ended up actually working at Care 11 myself as a weekend meteorologist and then went to uh, King TV in Seattle where I was the uh, chief meteorologist there. And that's when the epiphany for my existing business was born because I was asked to do uh, weather updates for local radio stations. And so I found myself doing that. And uh, next thing you know, it was uh, six and 12 and 24 and I had to start hiring some people. And now we are the uh, largest uh, weather radio network uh, in America. We have 1,200 affiliates, and our programming is syndicated by Westwood One. And um, we kind of retain our local region, but they syndicate outside of our seven-state primary coverage area. And so we provide very comprehensive local weather programming. And uh, you had mentioned before we went on in the introduction, you know, our primary competitors are the Weather Channel, AccuWeather, but they focus on, you know, something very different than we do. We focus on audio weather dissemination, and that's kind of our uh, forte, and we do that better than anybody in the world. In fact, we have the only audio weather API in the world that integrates into uh, mobile devices, into Alexa skill, and uh, into automobiles through CarPlay and Android Auto. So you can literally have a real meteorologist in real time translating forecast information personalized for your device. And that's where our technology kind of sets us apart from many of our competitors. And, and that's um, 
a company I started when I was 21 years old, ironically, while I was in TV, uh, simultaneously did that. And uh, again, the business got to the point where it uh, got big enough where I could justify breaking away from TV and focus all my energy on the business. And ever since then, which was 34 years ago now when I started this, uh, we've grown into this uh, you know, remarkable company. And I pride myself really, Rory, on the fact that you know, these things that I talk about that you see on LinkedIn leadership and the books that I write. I mean, that's really my my interest today is helping other people discover what I've learned as a result of my commitment to exploring my professional curiosities and focusing on the other things in life that I truly believe enhance a person's prospects for enjoying true happiness. And that's what I'm most uh, enamored with today. And I focus uh, heavily on my teams and helping these people develop into remarkable individuals that have financial and, uh, you know, uh, personal freedom in their life, because I think that's lacking. You know, if you look at all the research, it indicates very heavily that, you know, most people are languishing at work. In fact, 80% of all people that have jobs in America, at least, and mostly around the world as well, are not satisfied at work. And it's, I believe, the result of poor leadership. And, uh, and, you know, people leave bad bosses. They don't leave jobs. That's really what it comes down to. So that's kind of a little background, but I had uh, some athletic success too. When I was younger, I was a, a professional kickboxer. I also played uh, prof- uh, college hockey and, um, and uh, have played uh, professional music as well. So, you know, there was a lot of things going on. It's like I tell people this idea that pursue your passions, I believe is a little bit, uh, misleading quite candidly because that would imply that at a young age you really know what your passions are I think all of us at one point entertain the idea of being a famous musician or an actress or an actor or uh, you know perhaps a professional athlete those are passions at an early age that we you know flirt with but the reality of it is not too many people get to do that so what do you do instead? And I think that's where people stumble along that journey is they have a difficult time ascertaining where um, they should be and what they should do to find purpose and at the same time create this quality of life that they desire. And, uh, and that's process and it takes uh, intention. So, um, but that's kind of just a little background about where um, I came from and where I'm at today. And of course, over the past couple of years, my focus has been on uh, developing this personal brand, which is dedicated to uh, writing. And uh, I also do a podcast and take uh, a great deal of pleasure in helping other people uh, develop their leadership skills and hopefully discover some professional success for themselves. So, wow. I mean, that, that all is incredible. I mean, wow. I'm blown away. Very, very impressive. Um, I, I do want to ask you, so when, when Weatherology first took off, uh, you said the 80s is when you started it, correct? Yeah, yeah back in 1987, I started this company. Wow, and since it was so new of a platform and kind of an idea that hadn't been th- you know, th- put out before, obviously it was probably thrown around a few times, probably a couple people had the idea, but you're the one that took action on it. I'm sure once you put it out on the market, it was like a roller coaster. It just sped off really fast and took off, right? Because it was so, well, it was so like a, a thing people haven't hadn't seen, and like the niche for well, it. You know that that's a good point, you know. But I think our 
success was it's it's more of a slow methodical pragmatic approach because um you know so i did everything too. in the beginning well i mean it it works i mean for radio it was a need that became increasingly more apparent especially as radio became increasingly more automated as you know you know with the large ownership groups that took over radio over the past several decades there's been this a uh, trend toward um, automation, which means at night and oftentimes on the weekend, certainly holidays, radio stations are unmanned. They have automation systems that run the programming, which entails, you know, syndicated shows and music as well as, uh, you know, commercials. And so people leave the building and these radio stations run unattended. So we were the only company that created the ability to commandeer these radio stations with local meteorologists and break in and do severe storm coverage and at the same time update the radio station with current weather information. And uh, so we serve every market size imaginable from small, medium to large. And um, so what we did was, you know, innovated the technology that met radio where it was at and where it's going. And we've constantly been instrumental in helping them kind of precipitate a brand new approach to reinventing themselves. And that process is uh, ongoing. And the industry today, TV and radio is confronted with some massive challenges and uh, many of the people that uh, are in this space are, are really struggling to figure out how to be relevant, especially to a new generation of listeners that kind of uh, have different listening habits. So as a very forward thinking, uh, innovative technology company, we're uh, called to help these uh, people resolve these complex uh, solutions. And and we focus just on one thing, and that's uh, audio weather, whereas our big competitors like, um, you know, the Weather Channel, they're owned by IBM now, which is one of the biggest companies in the world. So they're involved in a lot of things, and they're very good at what they do. But, um, you know, nobody does what we do better because we've focused on this one thing and I've always been a big believer that that's where the magic takes place when you don't get distracted by all the other seductive temptations and pour your soul into doing one thing well it's like a rock star or you know Tom Brady or anybody else you know you see the fruits of their commitment and it's very evident when somebody has dedicated their life to doing something well yeah yeah absolutely and you know tell me about the significant changes uh, to the weather industry today rather than when you started weatherology in the late 80s? I mean, what, what are some of the significant differences? I mean, obviously, well, that's a, oh, yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I would say just from a technological perspective. I mean, and that's what I was uh, getting the, the, the technology, how evolved it is, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a time when. You know, hurricane prediction, for instance, was based on, you know, very arbitrary insight that, you know, didn't give people adequate notification. Now I can, you know, probably say that, you know, hurricane prediction has improved dramatically. I know when some of the big hurricanes struck the East Coast here this past year, you know, we had seen these storms forming off the coast of Africa and were giving people five, six day notice that the likelihood of striking a specific area was, you know, 85% or higher. And, um, you know, to be able to do that five, six days in advance and give people that much notification is incredibly uh, beneficial. Of course, the 
economic implications aren't uh, improved upon because these storms come ashore and there's not much you can do about it. But the uh, ability to save lives, obviously, is the biggest thing when you can you know, give people enough notice where they can make provisions and say, OK, I'm going to evacuate. And, uh, and you know, t- tornado, obviously, uh, prediction is very complicated. And, you know, the notification system we have has constantly improved. It's certainly not perfect. But uh, new technology and innovation is allowing us to have a little bit better insight into these storms to determine what their capability of tornadic production is. And then, you know, that uh, allows us also to give people a bit more notification in the event these storms uh, become an imminent threat. So those types of things. And, of course, uh, satellite imagery and radar has advanced considerably. Uh, Initially, there was what they called the WSR-57 radar network, which was implemented across the entire country at all the National Weather Service uh, stations. And that's evolved into Doppler technology, and there's improvement on the way. So those things are great, Rory, and that's really helped us you know, improve the ability to predict and uh, and also inform. Uh, as far as the, uh, you know, technology that we use to disseminate that information, that's a completely different thing because um, things are changing so fast, as you know, it's incredible. I mean, the speed of change and innovation today is, is remarkable and uh, companies that aren't prepared for that and uh, investing heavily in people that can uh, resolve those complex challenges and also, uh, technology that's relevant to people, you know, they're they're dying a slow, miserable death today. <laughs> oh, oh, I I absolutely hear you, and uh, you know, I will I will say that uh, it, it is fascinating the way the way times evolved, and there's always something new out. How how involved are you with all these different disasters? Because and you know, hurricanes and all these nat- these emergencies. I mean, we've seen so many of these disasters, uh, you know, these emergencies with various parts of our country and internationally. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been a lot in, in these, in this last, seems like in these last couple of years, it seems like more than in a lot of ways ever before. Well, you know, they're, um, <clears throat> you know, ironically, if you look at all uh, the research, you know, there's a popular, um, you know, you know, there's a popular conversation out there uh, today that that talks about the intensity and the frequency of storms, and and uh, yeah. you know, if you really really look carefully at the the data, you'll discover that uh, you know there has been uh, an increase in uh, you know the intensity and so, uh, of some of these storms and the the frequency, and um, you know whatever people attribute that to, that's a you know uh, that's a conversation, of course, that's very topical today, but. Um, you know, the reality of it is, you know, populations are expanding, too, and coastal populations are expanding, too. It's like I tell people as it pertains to tornado um, devastation. You know, a lot of folks are quick to point out that the frequency and severity of tornadoes has increased. But the reality of it is, you know, populations have been expanding. So you look at Oklahoma City a few years ago that suffered a very devastating uh, tornado um, yeah. You know, the reality of it is the spot that was hit, you know, 20 years ago had no population at all. So it, it's one of those things where, you know, as we grow and cities and communities expand, the likelihood of people getting hit by low probability events increases exponentially. And, um, you know, so it's a, yeah, it's one of those conversations that, uh, 
you know, a lot of people are, are very quick to jump on certain explanations when, in fact, scientifically, there's a lot of things that factor into better understanding why that is and, and what contributes to that. Right, absolutely. And uh, please please tell everybody uh, about your book and about your show. Please uh, tell us about that. Well, uh, the podcast they do, it's a weekly podcast, and it's uh, called Anatomy of Success, and it's dedicated to uh, what I call the four tenets of equanimity, which are four things I think if people focus on. Uh, the odds of having a more satisfying life increase. You know, I've been blessed because you know I've been lucky to have a tremendous success uh, financially. And I think what happens oftentimes is you see people that have that, and you think it's because of that that's why they're happy. And I can tell you that many people that I know that are uh, successful financially are not happy. Uh, they have everything most people desire, but they're miserable because it's like I share with people that you know. You want to be a happy millionaire, not a miserable person right. chasing money, not a, not a miserable you know person chasing money. And um, and there's a lot of people out there that set off with the primary motivation of making a ton of money, and they create this lofty expectation for themselves. And let's say they achieve that goal, which is highly unlikely for a lot of people statistically, then they um, discovered that what they thought would create all this happiness in their life doesn't. And so the disappointment associated with that is astronomical versus the person that has a happy disposition who decides to find purpose and meaning in life and successful career and money just happens to be a part of that. Those people are great to be around because they have a healthy uh, demeanor. But um, there's other things that I think contribute to that, and that's your health. I'm a very big uh, fitness advocate and health enthusiast and uh, healthy relationships with family, friends, and healthy intimate relationships, whatever those may be. You know, and those things, when you focus on those things, life just gets surprisingly better. That's what I talk about on the podcast, and the book is called Anatomy of Success. And you can go to weatherology.com slash Steve, and you'll find uh, my social media assets and links to the book and the podcast. And certainly encourage your listeners to uh, follow along and and, uh, let us know what they think. My hope is it helps uh, people find what they want in life and do it in a way that provides them with, uh, you know, a better foundation to build on so that as you go through life, you'll probably have a greater chance of staying happy and and being happy when you're concentrating on the right things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Before I let you go, I want to, I got some people that want to ask you, uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead. Much for oh, you're cutting out. You do. I just want to say now. thank Good you very day. much for everything that you do for us. Uh, I have a, and, and, and Rory knows this, I have a place down in L.A. that's lower Alabama, and we rely heavily on, you know, early alerts, understanding what's happening, and because uh, we get the, the tornadoes, but we also get the uh, hurricanes coming up through every single year, and you know, we just had some massive tornadoes down in Abbeville and over towards into Georgia uh, here earlier this year. And I texted the show, showed uh, a lot of damage that happened down there. And But you save lives. And, I mean, what you do have sa- has saved lives. And, 
you know, to me, I'm, I'm very grateful of what you do for us, uh, you know, along those lines. Um, you, you had mentioned, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of issues surrounding whether global warming, climate change, uh, we hear on the the Green New Deal, you know, that this is should be the number one issue that we should be focusing on. Um, I teach uh, to the doctorate level. I teach residency. I teach people how to write dissertations. And all the time I tell them to seek the truth, uh, mm-hmm. no matter where the data l- leads you. Now, uh, we we do need to seek the truth. However, with the media the way that the media currently is, there's, it's hard to tell what is the truth and what is not the truth. You know, and I bring up, you know, is there climate change? Well, climates have changed. We've already had at least five ice ages. So yes, climates change. Uh, is there global warming? Well, is there? Is there man-made? Well, that's something that we have to determine. But if you look at even, you know, like the Chilean earthquake in 2010, where NASA reports that that 8.8 magnitude earthquake knocked us off our axis by three inches. Well, this is an awful big planet, and that three inches can have effects on ecosystems and also effects on the oceans. So I'd like to get your, your you know, your input as to what you think's happening, because you did mention that the intensities have gone up. So, you know, can you give us some of your perspective? Yeah, and you know, those are, those are great questions, Doctor, and I appreciate the compliments, by the way. I, I, you know, it isn't an exact science, and I think that's the interesting correlation to climate change, and I point that out. In fact, I wrote an article on LinkedIn not long ago where I discussed this thing in an effort to stimulate productive de- debate because that's what science is all about. When people turn science into a definitive um, you know, discipline, then it's it's not science any longer because you've extracted uh, the need to discuss um, improvement or constant, uh, you know, like you had mentioned very accurately. It's, it's about seeking the truth. And when science stops seeking the truth in favor of what's, you know, confirmed, then it, it's, it's not a science anymore. It's almost like a religion. And so I think that's the danger with this particular topic. And I always promote productive conversation. Unfortunately, there's an effort, in my opinion, to kind of uh, force people to believe a certain way. And if you don't, then you're ostracized for that. And to me, that gets to be a dangerous proposition because I know people on both sides of this argument that have very compelling evidence and research supporting what they believe is the truth. And I happen to listen to these people very attentively when they talk and resist the temptation to interject and, and take a firm position because I'm always curious about what they have to say. And I find myself walking away from those discussions, learning something new and answering more questions and wanting to answer more questions. And I point out to people often that are, so quick to castigate meteorology as, oh, those guys don't know what the hell they're talking about. They get the forecast wrong all the time. Well, we can all make the admonition that it's not perfect and mistakes are made, but it's improved considerably. But what differentiates that from the climate uh, study or the climatology? Uh, it's the same basic idea. You know, We're using modeling to basically ascertain what the future will be like. And when you rely on that, of course, there's going to be complicated scenarios that 
you know, may or may not be accurate when you're taking into consideration, you know, how the moon factors in the oceans. I mean, there's so many things that factor into climate modeling. And even though those models are very good to suggest they're a hundred percent accurate, I think would be a pretty bold assertion to make. So that's where I think it gets uh, interesting, but I've done some extensive reading on this subject. And uh, like I said, many, many friends in this business that are incredibly smart and the general consensus is, you know, by a lot of the scientists that the direction that we're moving in is the climate is changing. And I respect their views on that a great deal. And they uh, support that with a lot of things that they believe, uh, you know, and then there's always people out there that uh, obviously have a different opinion and they recite the things that they believe to refute those claims. And, you know, and the problem, doctor, in my opinion, with this whole conversation is it's become political. And like anything else, once it becomes political, then rest assured, your ability to get the truth from certain sources is obviated in favor of a political narrative that supports that position. And depending on what news source you listen to, uh, you will, in fact, be given a rendition of the truth that's consistent with their political predilections. And that's, that's, that's the challenge. If you really want to dive into this subject, I encourage people to dive in deep and really look at the, uh, the people that are studying this, that are knowledgeable about this and, um, and, 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 and review the research. And I think you'll find it to be, you know, very fascinating. It's a, it's a very fascinating subject. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very well said. Uh, Kevin, go ahead. All right, so we've been talking a lot here about how there's all these natural cycles, so many different variables to look at when you're looking at the, the weather, essentially. But uh, I'm definitely curious to know, as far as uh, how much manipulation uh, could uh, there be to the weather that's either man-made or even uh, if there's such thing as uh, weather manipulation, um, either it be through like scalar waves or if there's chemtrails or anything that um, man may be purposely doing in order to uh, change the weather to provoke these kind of, um, I guess, calamity kind of uh, events. Well, that's an interesting subject. And, and for many, many years, people have attempted to manipulate the weather, but very unsuccessfully, you know, cloud seeding and, and things of that nature. Um, there's a long history of all sorts of uh, attempts by man to try to induce a precipitation events or, uh, you know, uh, stimulate convective activity. And, and most of the uh, research has proven, you know, very inconclusive, and it it, it usually is uh, kind of an aberration of, of reality. So I think that, you know, man's effort to change the climate, the only thing that may be affecting that is, you know, certainly there is compelling evidence that shows that, you know, as we continue to become more industrialized, there's this you know, a plume of junk that we're spewing into the air that's obviously interfering with uh, the sun's ability to affect the earth and then, you know, be reflected back out into space effectively. And that's the ozone layer. And, you know, uh, there's certain gases and things that certainly contribute to the uh, strengthening of that. And so, you know, there's just certain things like that, that that are difficult to refute based on, you know, evidence that shows that, 
um, <clears throat> you know, those things are happening. The question is, you know, who are the biggest perpetrators? And, you know, I always struggle with, let's just hypothetically say we do institute some magical program to remedy this problem. And we do have the ability of resources and the personnel and the wherewithal to, uh, you know, implement these ambitious plans. And I'm not saying they're not good ideas. You know, it's like I tell people so often when it comes to this topic, the best thing, in my opinion, to do is to embrace the idea that, you know, this is our planet. It's a beautiful place. We have a lot of beautiful people, beautiful animals, beautiful oceans. I think it's in our best interest to try to do the best we can to preserve it. And I think it's always a good idea to agree on the things we can agree on to help promote that idea and many of those things that promote that idea are consistent with the idea of not damaging it so if we get to that place this conversation suddenly becomes a hell of a lot more easy to have with people that are pissed off emotional and irrational a lot of times and and that's where this you know we talked about this earlier today Rory you know this is why it's so hard it's like having a conversation about religion when people believe what they believe the only thing you make by confronting somebody with an opposing opinion is a enemy. That's it. And that's what you see with yeah. these political parties today. You know, unfortunately, there's just no effort at all uh, to sit right. down and reason and try to come up with an understanding that's commensurate with what's in the best interest. Because, you know, I mean, I think it's great. Let's let's try to curtail this and pull back on that and, you know, build new stuff that's more conducive to that. But then assuming we do that, how about India, China, other people that are, you know, at a point in their development where they're doing many of the things we did 30, 40, 50 years ago? And how can we possibly expect them to do things differently when we've had the luxury of creating this wonderful place we live in? So, yeah, it's, it's a very Correct. complex thing. And I think a lot of people want to make it simple, like this is the way it is. This is what's going to happen. The world's going to end in 10 years. And if you don't believe it, then you're... Um, you know, you hate everything. And that's where science, that's where science to me gets, uh, you know, loses its value because there's no other scientific endeavor uh, on this planet that gets treated like this for whatever reason, you know, every, every other scientific discipline gets treated with the amount of respect it deserves. And nobody that practices those scientific endeavors has the audacity to say, this is the way it is. And if you disagree, then you're a lunatic. And, um, and that, that's, uh, that's my fear with any scientific discipline is that we can't talk about it and have a, and disagree, you know, it's okay to disagree. You know, I don't have all the answers. Anybody that says they do do is full of shit, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're absolutely right. (laughs) Uh, let's go to, let's go to Bill, Bill. And then we, we got, we got to let Steve go after this one. Bill, go ahead. Yeah, Steve, when did they, I have a couple questions. When did they really start, you know, tracking weather and recording it and, and how did they go, how did they determine what it was 300 years ago? And my second question is, is it, 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 one is a comment. One is, is there's another thing that plays it into global climate change and that, the, that our moon is moving away about an inch a year from the earth. Which mm-hmm. which change, which changes global, which changes current, ocean currents. Um, but what would it? I mean, even if we went back to the Stone Age in America right now, and even banning campfires, 
what would that really do to the Earth's pollution ratio when you have India and Pakistan and China and Russia dumping out hundreds and thousands and millions of tons of carbon into the atmosphere each year? No, I, I agree, and that's a, that's a, a great question to answer your first question. You know, accurate weather records, and I use the term accurate very, uh, you know, loosely because, you know, keep in mind the records that are kept and have been kept, you know, the entry points over at least the past 80 to 90 years preceding the 1990s when we started to get a little more uh, – the resolution improved considerably, but you know, the, the entry points at that point that we were collecting data were incredibly sparse. So, you know, but it's been a hundred years roughly since we started to gather, you know, reasonably good data. Some places in Europe go back further than that great Britain, for instance, but a hundred, 150 years. So yeah, our reference point is relatively small and a lot of it, Prior to that is based on speculation and um, science that tries to take into account, you know, uh, measuring things like, uh, you know, uh, the crust of the earth to determine, you know, what types of periods we went through that may have uh, produced that type of uh, sediment. So, you know, and then like you brought up with the moon and I also discuss the sun oftentimes that it's an expanding star and you know the intensity of its uh, energy is increasing and um, you know that's another thing that needs to factor into this modeling which you know models try to do but there's uh, a tremendous amount of uh, data that unfortunately I feel is lost in the modeling which can lead to erroneous scenarios so um, and to answer your other question, I mean, yeah, there's some, some real perpetrators out there that are far worse than we are in the United States. And not to suggest we should be pointing fingers or playing, you know, comparison. But uh, again, these countries are industrializing very, very rapidly. And they're trying to get to a point where their quality of life for their uh, citizens is uh, better. And again, that's a difficult argument to win when you're in a place where we've enjoyed all these uh, benefits of the economy that we have. And, you know, for many, many years, we were by far the worst perpetrators of, uh, of, uh, you know, spewing junk into the atmosphere. So uh, my, I don't know how you would ever regulate that, to be honest with you, even if we cleaned up our act and did things perfectly, I, uh, I'm not quite sure how you would expect other countries uh, to pull back and uh, and invest like you would have to invest uh, to make the improvements that we're expecting we should make here and 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 then how you get people to comply I don't know uh, what the what the easy answer is to that. Well, yeah, I read that that China is putting on one coal power burning power plant each week. A new one goes yeah. online each week, and, and you better believe that's not clean burning coal. They're, they're no. not spending the money on, on that. So, all right. Well, thank you very much. It's nice to meet you. Yeah, great to meet you too. Thank you. Uh, let, let's go to Mike in New York, and then uh, we got we got to let Steve go. But Mike in New York, go ahead. Steve, I'd like to thank you. You're in, you're involved with one of the more interesting aspects. I mean, the science that you're involved with is incredible, and I think I, I agree with 
one thing you skirted with a little bit, the meteorologists deserve a lot more respect. People don't understand it. But then again, some of the people look at the, uh, the weatherman, so to speak, and, and they enjoy watching the uh, people from Mexico and South America, the girls that they have with the tight dresses, and they enjoy watching those meteorologists more than they do the real one. I mean, I wonder if we interviewed physicists and they wore outfits like that, if they'd be staring at them or listening to the... Well, anyways. Um, but I, I was just reading an article on some of the German World War II um, weather stations that they had on the North Pole and in Newfoundland, and that people don't understand what's involved with this science and the study that even our enemy had bases, and that it can be, I don't want to say weaponized, but it's, it's a, a critical piece of intelligence for our, our military to use. It's very, very important, and I don't think a lot of people really understand that. Um, so thank you for all your work you're doing as well. Thank you. No, I appreciate that, Mike. What a bunch of great uh, guests you have, uh, Rory, on your show. Respectful and just uh, wonderful. And um, uh, Mike brings up a fantastic point. I mean, look at uh, World War II and uh, the invasion of Normandy. I mean, that was predicated on uh, forecasting information that accurately, uh, you know, predicted when the heavy fog and low overcast would lift and allow the uh, armada to move, uh, you know, toward shore. And uh, it was under that inclement, uh, uh, you know, weather forecast and accurately determining the window of opportunity they had that they were able to successfully uh, initiate that uh, that invasion, for instance. And there's plenty of other examples of that. Uh, I was right. uh, in, uh, you know, Dubai and uh, United Arab Emirates back before the first Gulf War uh, broke out. And um, or the second, I should say, and I was um, <clears throat> involved with the U.S. military and aircraft carriers to help them uh, better understand. You know, we did some high resolution modeling. Our company did that helped uh, the uh, Air Force and the Navy, uh, you know, prepare for their sorties in that area. So weather's always been a very, very critical part of uh, military operations, and uh, it's it's fascinating to work with them uh, and and be able to give them the tools they need to not only be safer, but also have greater success. Yeah. Very, very well said, Steve. Um, I, I really want to thank you for coming on. You've been a fantastic guest. I do want to have you back on again soon. Uh, please tell everybody where they can find you and connect with you. Yeah. I mean, if you're a weather junkie, really stop by weatherology.com and that's all one word, weather and then O-L-O-G-Y.com. We've got a free uh, mobile app that people just absolutely love. It's very clean and elegant and um, it's gained a tremendous amount of popularity. It's the only audio weather app in the world. So if you have uh, friends that are blind, they can actually listen to the forecast and it's real meteorologist uh, reading text in real time. So you can integrate that into your vehicle through CarPlay, Android Auto, or Alexa skills we have available. And uh, we're very aggressively moving in the direction of integrating with some, some huge companies. So you're going to hear more about that technology uh, when those integration deals are complete. But, um, and then, like I said, at that uh, site, weatherology.com slash Steve, you can find me on social media. And if you're on LinkedIn, join me there. If you're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, feel free to follow me there and love to connect with people and keep in touch and really appreciate the opportunity to spend some quality time with you and your uh, listeners, Rory. And I 
wish you much uh, success. I love what you're doing. This is the beauty of technology. Somebody like yourself can uh, do what they want to do and get into broadcasting. And uh, I know you much, uh, must love it as much as I do. So I think it's fantastic. Oh, I do love it. I really do. And, and uh, I'm, pr- I'm proud of you, man. Congrats on all the success. Keep up the great work. And uh, I'm excited to hear about uh, your future merges with these other companies and all the different stuff you have going on. We'll have you back on again soon. Okay. I appreciate it. Best of luck to everybody. Thank you, Lori. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. We will be right back, everybody. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the -the behind-the-scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back. The Rory Sodder Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 23 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you missed any past episodes, past clips, need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit my media site, the next N-E-X, Gen. G-E-N-U-S-A.com. And remember, in the coming weeks, we will be announcing the many notable people that will be doing their own shows on the network. Very excited to share that with all of you. Uh, I, do, I do want to get to our next topic. And uh, everybody, just an FYI, it does look like a popular attorney 
and former judge uh, Murray M. Silver, who was supposed to come on tonight, will be rescheduling to either this week, another day this week, or early next week. Just wanted to put that out there. Um, but, yeah, getting, getting to this next topic, guys, we're, this is, the border's a mess. I mean, what, what we're dealing with right now on our border, what we're dealing with with trespassers, uh, it, it's just constant. It's nonstop. It doesn't end. Thank God that the Pentagon has successfully transferred $1.5 billion, with a B, to build part of the border wall. And let me remind everybody, that's not going to build everything. It's just going to cover a certain part. You know, we need to get the whole thing built. I mean, I know it's a start. I know, you know, and, and that's a good thing. But, I mean, time, time is ticking. You know, it's almost 2020. We need to get more of this wall uh, under, under construction. And, and I know, I think Trump knows that. You know, reports out today, uh, we're seeing all these different things happening. Uh, Border Patrol had to fly migrants from South Texas uh, to reduce overcrowding, border patrol agents had to fly fly with migrants out. Um, and, and it was, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, they don't have places to put these people. We need extra facilities. And, and I don't like saying that because I don't like enabling the idea. But at the same time, they're here and they keep coming. Uh, it's better than catching and releasing them. And now we have federally funded organizations that are giving gifts to illegals at the border. We already knew that there's lawyers down there waiting to coach them, waiting to tell them what they need to do in order to stay in our country and, and you know, uh, play, play the victim stance. And, you know, this is even more appalling, and, and this came out today, and it's absolutely disgusting. Sanctuary cities are now going to stop deporting illegal aliens from terrorist-sponsored nations. So any Allah, any ISIS, any, any, anybody uh, associated with religion of peace, oh, yeah, they're in your city, and they're coming to a block near you. They're all around people in your sanctuary cities. Your politicians are not getting rid of them. You're in jeopardy. Your kids are in jeopardy. Everybody's in jeopardy when you have these, these uh, hostile and violent uh, terrorists in our country, these people that believe in Islam. And no, I'm not categorizing all Muslims as terrorists, but, you know, anybody that reads the Koran uh, doesn't follow um, respectful, insane ideology. You know, just like IQ told us, they may be, they, you know, they may be friendly on the outside, some of them, but they, they all believe in the same Koran and the same corrupt religion. Let's not forget. Let's not forget who their who their um, their God is. Uh, let's not forget he was guilty of pedophilia. He married a young kid, Muhammad. It, it, it's it's disgraceful. It, it is disgraceful that we have these people roaming our streets. We have these people protected and playing the whole political correctness card. We have these people abusing Christians, saying how. How terrible Christianity is, and how terrible Judaism is. These people are so entitled. They come into our country. They have all these demands. It's sick. This is sick, sick stuff that we are dealing with. It's like these 
these politicians on the left care more about second-class citizens than the veterans that are homeless on our streets. And to make, to make matters worse, guys, to make matters worse, you have a judge in Florida who just recently ordered this past this week, that there was a new report out today, is, is providing voting ballots in Spanish. You know what that means? Oh, illegals, come on, come on in, come vote. Come vote for us Democrats. Oh, oh, and if you say anything against it being in Spanish, you're a racist. You're a bigot. Yeah, that's, that's the mindset. You know, this is America. Let, let's face the reality. If you're going to a voting booth, if you're, if you're following our curriculum, if you want to have anything to do with our country, English better be your first damn language, or you better get the hell out. That's no disrespect to good people that, uh, you know, have a, have a different language. But at the same time, that's not our problem. You need to speak English fluently in order to be in this country. And we have too many people that have that problem where they can't. And then, then what happens? Oh, the government coddles them. The government says, oh, we'll take care of you. And this is just over-the-top ridiculous. And I'm so sick of seeing liberals online saying, whoa, well, Trump's separating families. Trump's hurting all these people. You know, no, he's not. Trump is, is following a protocol and a, and a bill that was put into place a long time ago that Bush followed, Obama followed, and I even think Clinton followed it. So don't, don't give me that shit. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of... Everybody on the left having this mindset that, oh, they come here to make our country better. They come here to have a better life. I'm not denying that for some of them. That's true. But you, you guys fail to even mention the bad ones, and you give them a pass. And then when we call MS-13 animals, you say, don't call – they're human beings. Oh, really? They cut, pe- they cut people into pieces, and they're human beings. They torture people. They're animals. Jesus Christ. Uh, Bill, go ahead. They are animals. They are, it, it, well, it, you know, it, it depends. You know, you can't label every Muslim an animal, okay? I mean, right. the, 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 you have to, you know, Islam and that ideology is the problem, and, and it, it's very hard to condemn people that have lived a certain reality their whole life, just like we've lived Christianity. So it's, you know, it's not a simplistic thing, but, but what has to happen in this country is is that people have to understand what this really means to them. And that's what I, what I, I talked about a a week or two ago with Kevin was that, 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 that when he's talking to people, he needs to make them, you know, understand and, and see what the real danger is in these kind of things and these people being in our government and you just had that Tlaib, you know, go on another rant about hate, hating Jews and the Holocaust and, and, you know, and, and you have these people into, into, in getting into government and that's part of their, that's part of the ideology. It has a whole section about governance 
And this is what they do. They come in and they overpopulate centers to where you can't control that anymore. And you're seeing that go on with Europe. And now it's going to, it's starting to become prevalent in the United States and people are, are not waking up to those realities and, and don't, they, it's, they don't understand history and that, that yeah. there is no peaceful coexistence. There is no tolerance by them. And it, it, it's like IQ has said, there is no such thing as a moderate Muslim. It, it, it's right. not. It's, right. it's all and, the same God. It's all the same Koran. It's, it's all the same thing. And, and they can say they don't, you know, they don't subscribe to it. Or, but you don't have any reformists. And you don't have these people, you know, imams coming out and saying, no, you can't do this. And, and banishing people from the religion and sanctioning people and all that. You have, you know, I just read a story the other day about in, in Minnesota where you have mosques that are teaching, you know, radical Islam inside the mosque, inside the United States. Now we couple that with the southern border where you have Muslims coming in from the southern border that are unvetted, and you don't know what country they came from. You don't know where they bought their paperwork. You don't know anything. So there's hundreds and hundreds of real jihadists, trained killers in the United States Mm -hmm. waiting for the opportunity, whatever they decide that opportunity is going to be. And in this country, if we don't get a handle on this, all the rest of it isn't going to matter. If we don't get a handle on this – it might not be in five years or ten years, but in twenty or thirty years, there is going to be such a, a hellacious problem in this country that this country might in fact fall. Well, look, look at, for instance, look how gone Europe is. I mean, look at the Muslims that invaded Europe, like you just brought up a, a few minutes ago. I mean. Like, London isn't even recognizable anymore, and at one point, it was one of the safest cities ever in the world, and it was one of the most desirable places to go. And the Muslims and that little midget, Sadi Khan, whatever, whatever the hell his name is, that mayor in London, he's destroyed it. He's taken everybody's knives now. He's already taken everybody's guns. Now it's knives. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, it is ridiculous, and, and you don't think those people – and they've done the same thing to Sweden – and it, it, the media doesn't broadcast any of this, but you think there's 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 dozens of companies now making rape-proof rape garments for people for women over in the Middle East because there's no problem. I mean, right. you know how ridiculous is that? You know, and that's how they that's how it gets ignored. Oh, here we're you know you got all these companies making a bunch of money now selling you know rape protective garments for women to wear out in yeah. the public, but there's no problem. Everything's great. Yeah. No, it's it's true. It, it's true. You're absolutely right. Um, let let's go to uh, Mike in New York. Mike, go ahead. Rory, if you go to your Facebook messages, you'll see a link that I just gave you. This came out a couple of days ago. It was an FBI raid in Alabama, and well, you yeah, saw very yeah, little about it. Hold on, I want I want to mention that, and, and we're going to talk about that. But just to remind everybody. They found child remains at the suspected jihad camp in Alabama. That's what you're referring to, right? No, no, no. I know that they found them in the one in New Mexico. But the one in New Mexico was tied to the one in Alabama that they just found. But in the article, in the news. talking about the one in Alabama. The the article that I had didn't mention that they found child remains. That's new now. That must be new information. But what's interesting about the article, as we were saying, is 
They purposely avoided saying anything about Islam or Muslims or anything in yeah. that article. They, yeah. said, they said training site, but the picture clearly shows Muhammad Ahmed Mustafa Ben Lazi III or whatever his name is. I, you know, yeah. and the rest of the uh, and his women and his wives and everything. And you know, like I, I put in a reply on Facebook. I said, "Well, uh, they could be Amish." You think? I mean, who are you fooling? We're not idiots out here. But it, you know, they have to right. craft it. And the media—it's propaganda. It's pure propaganda. But people are starting to wake up to it, and it's turning into a sick joke. But they go out it of is. their way just to protect these people, and I don't understand why. If they're a criminal, they're a criminal. If they have a warped version of that religion, that's a warped version of that religion. And say it. I, don't be afraid, but they're yeah. afraid to. Same idea with Easter, the Easter worshipers, how Hillary and Obama were saying Easter worshiper. They can't say Christianity. These people, I know. It's, the, it's political, the political correctness has destroyed this country. Yes, it has. But look at that article when you get a chance. It's on your messages. Absolutely. Uh, let me go yeah. to Kevin. Kevin, go ahead. Yeah, it's so timely that this Alabama compound found uh, – I was just talking about this uh, last Thursday about the New Mexico compound. That, uh, so these two are tied together. And so what we do know about all of this is that uh, the, these compounds, their property is not owned by any of these individuals that were arrested uh, by the FBI. Uh, we do not know yet who owns the property. And, and this is what I was saying before. Like I completely, entirely um, you know, despise how these – um, you know, these radical people are getting in, but at the same time, um, who do you blame more? The people letting them in and uh, basically financing their programs um, or the terrorists themselves? So, and this is just something that uh, I'd expect the Democrats to be uh, misdiluted, but uh, I really wonder when the Republicans are going to wake up to what is being done to our country, how much uh, terrible, terrible tragedies are going to. Uh, take place in the future if we don't actually do something about it. And uh, it really comes through immigration. I mean, that's really the linchpin of, of all of this. And that's one of Donald Trump's biggest platforms, immigration. That's what's going to make the biggest difference to preserve our nation. And some people, yeah. especially Republicans, you know, they, they need to realize that it doesn't matter necessarily uh, how much you really integrate. Um, you, you try to make these people integrate into our country. It just won't happen especially these uh, people like you see in, uh, in Minnesota, all these Somalis, they're entirely, you know, the thing they care most about is practicing their faith. They, they want to, you know, worship Allah and they don't care about America. And it's like, you, you got to think of it like this. I mean, uh, you can't just like talk to these Somalis like, Hey, you illiterate Islamic uh, inbred Somalis uh, who have no tradition, no structured government, uh, how about you come over to uh, take some heritage uh, constitution classes? How about we try to teach you about uh, Rousseau and Voltaire and Montesquieu? How about we try to tell you about how our country was founded as an Anglo-Protestant republic and all the values that we've preserved over all these years? I mean, we could try to teach these people as much as we possibly can, but it, it will never get through. Their religion tr trumps all of that. And it, there needs to be a protection of uh, in immigration to prevent all of this from happening because the, the radicalization is kicking up and there's no other way we're going to get around it. I mean, this, this isn't just for these uh, Islamic radicals, but as we see from the southern border, uh, there's 
mm-hmm. radicals in that sense, where the crime is just reaching off the charts because it's essentially a demographic replacement that's taking place. They're taking money as a we're becoming a welfare state where this is taxpayer, this is a, the government treasury money that is being used to mm-hmm. subsidize uh, subsidize these people's essentially well-being. So they're having more kids. They're getting into our uh, jobs programs. They're cheap labor for mo- the most part, and it's absolutely crushing the American people that have been here, you know, one, two, all the way back these many generations. So it's absolute tragedy that all this is happening, and it's the action must be taken. And so you're absolutely right that this is um, a threat. I mean, an actual clear and present danger to the American people. And this is why that I'm taking myself these, these steps in order to uh, establish a private security group. We're going to be essentially arming up and training and making sure that we have everything that we need in order to protect ourselves from the dangers that lie ahead. It's, it's inevitable at this point. Uh, I do not intend for, even if the wall was to be built within the next 10 years, it's not going to stop the, these dangers. And so it, the time of action is now, and I don't think that uh, politics is going to really solve it at this point. Uh, it, it, I wish Clinton was on because he says it perfectly himself. I mean, uh, the time is now. We need to to get ready. Well, there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of things that are going on. I'll tell you, uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead. Yes. Uh, you know, to, to clarify something here, I, I think you were talking about MS 13 when you, uh, you, you quoted basically what Trump was saying when he said that they were animals. Yeah. When they cut, yeah, when and, they cut people up. Yeah. I was referring to them. Yeah. Yeah. You were referring to them, not Muslims. So I just want, yeah, I want to make somebody, that clear too. Yeah, somebody made the mistake that I was talking about Muslims, but I was talking about MS-13 yeah, on that last You were talking about MS-13. That's something that President Trump said. That's something that I yeah. concur with. They are animals. Anybody that is going to go into a neighborhood, terrorize a neighborhood, and if you stand up against them, use machetes against in America, that is just unacceptable. Another thing that we have to look in what in uh, – Burkina uh, Faso yesterday over in Africa, six more Christians going to church were assassinated. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, this is this is almost an everyday occurrence now throughout the world where Christians are being assassinated. It's the new norm. And it is it is becoming a new norm so much so that, you know, it's barely even making the news. And to me, that is unacceptable. Now, you and I live uh, both in the Phoenix area. We see every day these buses pull up, you know, with these, uh, you know, asylum seekers that, you know, they're, they're, they're being let go in the United States. And, you know, I, I, I thought it would be great if uh, the Rory Sauter show had a, uh, a bus that says Hollywood bound and uh, wherever they're dropping them off, say, hey, who here wants to go to Hollywood? And have them get back on a bus and ship them over to California. Uh, you know, I, I I think that would be phenomenal. Get them out of this town. You know, what, what do we have? They're they're talking right now. We have more of these people, more stops at the border this year, fiscal year, than we have in the last four years, and the year still has three more months to go. I mean, this is just unacceptable. You know, these caravans are not, you know, something that is 
happening and over a month or two this is an everyday occurrence now uh money is being made in mexico to escort these people up here they are given yep. precisely what to say i heard somebody talk today on, on one of the uh, talk shows on fox regarding that there uh, you know some countries are actually have a 30 second and 60 second commercial telling people this is the time to get into America. Now, I haven't been able to verify that, um, <laughs> but, you know, it, and but I wouldn't doubt that's what's happening Yeah, me right neither. Now. I wouldn't doubt it. But I'm telling you what, uh, you know, I, I'd help sponsor a Rory Sauter show bus to Hollywood. You know, we, we need in. to get these people, it. you know, let, let's drive it across and, uh, you know, Hollywood bound. Find, find your America and your sanctuary city in Hollywood. So I'll tell you that yeah. that would be a lot. That would be great publicity. Can you imagine every liberal media station that's on my ass? <laughs> well, I, I would love it, man. I would love it. I'd be yeah. down there with you, man, because I'll tell you what, you know, first of all, it would call out hypocrites in Hollywood oh, yeah. that says we should yeah. have these open borders. We shouldn't have any yeah. borders. Everybody's welcome into America. Well, that's fine. Let's let's ship you okay. some. You know, you can make new reality stars. How do they live with you? I mean, these Hollywood they, they talk about it, you know? Well, we'll stop off on the way over in Palm Springs, drop them off at Cher's place. What do you say? You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> here here you go, Cher, Palm Springs. And it proves the bubble that they live in. It, it just proves it. You know, it, it, it's a real, it's a sick time. And, it, you know, we have people on the street dying that we can't even take care of our own people. And we're, you know, leftists, people on the left are talking about bringing in illegals and giving them social security. I mean, it's just, it's atrocious. It really is. Uh, Free health care. That's what Biden says. Yeah. He said that. And so did Camilla Harris. I mean, and so are, you know, so did Gillibrand and Cory Booker's interested in it. All these people on the left are so radical with their ideology, it is scary. Uh, Daryl, go ahead. Yeah, hey brother. So, so many great points have just been raised by you know the, the previous speakers, and and obviously just to hammer home, and this is a recurring topic because you know this is the yeah. major threat facing our civilization oh, yeah. and facing this generation, and you, you hear that from the the younger conservatives, people like Kevin, who are so valiantly leading the fight on these topics. Yeah. Uh, because they're looking at the future. I mean, this is this is their adult life. Is that they're going to have to wrestle with the reality of the uh, rapid and violent changes that have been forced on the country. And you know, I lived yeah. in California for many years. I'm still in and out of there. And one of the things to me that's so shocking is the number of sort of public PSAs that are available in alternative languages. Uh, you know, for for all sorts of government assistance, and they're 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 it's, it's basically advertising. You know, they're advertising the welfare, they're advertising the free stuff. Um, yeah, because enabling being purchased yeah. exactly, and they're they're actually you know they're they're promoting it to people that are non English speakers. And the, the the point is is that what's being purchased with these government assistance is is the uh, the loyal support and the votes of these migrants. And uh, Dr. Branch was alluding to, 
you know, the magic words in training people in terms of how to come over to the United States and to become legally welcomed. And I think the magic words are, you know, I vote Democrat. And that seems to open the floodgates for, for anyone. And it, obviously when we touch on immigration and we talk about uh, Islamic migration, this becomes a, a much more serious concern. And this is something that's more relevant in Europe, certainly, uh, but still relevant for us here, which is that you know we have this simultaneous thing going on where you have Western civilization uh, begging others to come in and, and otherize them in their own nations. And then when you put that up against a largely barbaric and deeply patriarchal society – uh, that is about domination and conquest. Yeah, uh, you know, you're you're looking at basically a, a cultural suicide. And nations like France, which we talk about very frequently, the reality there in the next ten to twenty years is very frightening. Here in the United States, we sort of have a somewhat different situation where it's just basically anything that isn't American and isn't Western and European is good. So we have this just growing multicultural pot, which has reached a point where now it's sort of overpowering the actual cultural center of the nation. And, you know, topics about who we should let in and, and shouldn't let in, immigration by itself is not a, a necessarily an evil thing, but it's also not necessarily a good thing either. And we've sort of reached a point where um, we're, we're sort of not only running out of space, but we've actually given up too much space. So, there really needs to be a, a complete moratorium on, on basically virtually all immigration that isn't directly reinforcing the cultural and ethnic identity of the nation. That needs to be adopted as as point of policy. Uh, as some have alluded to, the formation of the wall, if this thing ever does in fact even get built, that's a little bit too late. You know, it's like uh, talking about putting a very nice lock on your door after you've already invited the entire neighborhood in. Right, so so locking the door once you've already brought in the entire third world, and you've already placed your, uh, you know, your indigenous people in a situation where it's a uh, basically a survival event. To actually talk about building a wall, as if at this point in time that would actually solve the problems, is is wildly naive, and you know that triggers certain things in a, a aspect of the base that isn't really particularly hip to the future and doesn't think too deeply into how these topics play out over the next 10 to 20 years, it sort of satisfies them and makes them feel like, you know, rah, 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 America. But let, let's be frank, that wall is, is not a solution. It's, it's, very, it's a very late response. And if, if we don't actually adopt more aggressive policies, uh, even that, even if the wall was built yesterday, uh, this topic remains of, of deep concern to everyone listening. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right, Daryl. I mean, it's one of those things where it's so badly damaged because of this years and years of pileup that, uh, you know, with people coming in, uh, you know, what really needs to happen, and this is just the facts, is that ICE needs to go and, and get them all out. You know, wherever you find an illegal, under, under no circumstances, if they're in the country illegally, can they stay. That's how it has to be. It doesn't matter. You know, maybe, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's not the, mo- you know, there's people try to talk about morals, but 
the more the moral the moral reality here is that they shouldn't be breaking the law. You know, so you can't. I don't. I don't really feel bad for these people, but you know, I, part of me does, but a, a lot of me doesn't. It, it's one of those things where, you know, it, it's so it's so sad and then messed up how it's so broken. And I get why people come here for a better life, but I also am not okay with people breaking the law. So it's one of those things where we need to come up with a strict, uh, you know law and bill that doesn't even let them come in here in the first place. You know, I, I don't want people being separated from their families. I don't want people, uh, you know, having, you know, uh, having crises. But at the same time, we are not the world police. You know, we can't help everybody. We can't have everybody come in here. I get people have came here and, and, and done well for themselves and had a better life, but a lot of those people came here a lot of people that come and have a better life and do it, do it the right way become legal citizens. They don't, you know, cheat and run across the border or sneak across the border. I mean, we, we, we need, really need to address this. And, you know, I, I know our president uh, knows that this is on the top of the list to, to address and take care of. And I, I, have, I have a lot of hope and, and a lot of um, – strong, strong belief that he will come up with something very soon that uh, takes care of this. Because uh, uh, we look at everything he's done so far, and it, it's been incredible. Obviously, this issue is, 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 a, is a big problem, but everything else, you look at the economy, you look at, you look at the economy, you look at everything else he's done, he's done a lot more. He's done more in two years than any other president. There's no doubt about that. And we have all, we have all these people in D.C. around him, these rhinos, that give him bad advice. That's another thing that I keep thinking, that he's got not the best people around him. Like that brought, that son-in-law, Jared Kushner, not a good influence. Globalist, and you have other people in that administration that are not not the best uh, influences. That's for damn sure. Everybody, we've got to take a quick commercial. We'll be right back. Uh, stay with us. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaceSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. 
Use MEGA45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. And we are back. The Rory Satter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 23 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you missed any past, if you missed any past episodes, past clips, need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit our media site, thenextnexgenusa.com. And remember, in the coming weeks, we will be having many notable people on my new media site that will be doing their own shows. Notable names. Can't wait to share them all with you, uh, and I'll be doing that in the coming weeks. Um, everybody, I, uh, I want to get to the last uh, topic tonight before we, uh, before we go, uh, but I do want to make some quick announcements. Uh, President Trump and the China situation, um, you know, China's really badly struggling with their economy, and, and, and I really think a deal is going to be coming here very soon. And uh, President Trump is uh, staying tough, staying strong, staying on the issue, not backing down. And uh, let's face it, and I've said this many times, and I'll say it again, places like China need us more than we need them. And at the end of the day, they're going to have no choice but to budge. Uh, And President Trump wants all U.S. companies uh, to make their products here. And uh, he's even talked about how he's going to get more detailed in the near future about Certain certain things that will uh, that will and we already see, that will have that happen. But we already see so many people, so many companies that are coming back here and even building here for the first time. So it's just it's just getting better and better, everybody. Um, I also want to announce, looking through, uh, and we'll talk about this more on the show tomorrow. But the U.S. has sent has sent assault ships and missiles to the Middle East. Uh, for what for the threats Iran has made, so you know I, I don't we don't know too much about that information about that situation yet. But as it uh, you know progresses and, and it gets more into detail and there's more stories about it, we will talk about it on the show and update you. And I definitely want to get into that. Um, let's see here. Oh God, you know I do want to talk about this before we go. This is what I want to talk about. You know, we have all of this crazy leftist antics, this these liberal um, crazy emotions. I mean, the hysteria, the, the, the mental illness, the antics. It's insane what's going on right now. And, and all the political correctness now, everybody's so offended. You have the New York Yankees that are calling for a boycott after they banned God Bless America at the stadium. This is the kind of stuff we're dealing with. We're also dealing with craziness, like acts, like crazy liberal, smelly feminist actresses like Alyssa Milano that are calling for sex strikes. They're calling for sex strikes uh, over the Georgia abortion because Georgia wants to protect pro-life. Uh, Hollywood wants to be evil and wants to fight for abortion. And you have idiotic feminist bimbos like Alyssa Milano that uh, – you know, have this mindset, and we all know what feminism is. We all know how they act. You know, they want to have the anti-male, uh, you know, uh, persona. They, they want to be the the authority figure. You know, they don't want men to be men. Men that are with feminists are pussies. They're called soy boys. There's a reason they're referred to as soy boys. They don't have any backbone. 
They're like, and that's why I feel bad for any guy that dates a liberal. I mean, a, a liberal female is the devil. It, it's as worse as it gets. And when I see comments like this come from, oh my God, all these comments from Cher and Alyssa Milano and Miss Piggy, Amy Schumer, and you got smelly uh, hippopotamus Rosie O'Donnell. You got all these people that are just so repulsive and making these idiotic comments that are so out there and so fantasy land. It's like, Jesus, like, it doesn't even seem like it's, oh my gosh, like reality. Like, this is something out of a movie. These people are literally in their own bubble. They're, they're, these people are nuts. And, you know, they, they always talk about how abortion is so important to them, but wouldn't them being absent, being abstaining from sex, wouldn't that entail, wouldn't that entail saving lives? So basically what they're doing is, is they're helping uh, conservatives. They're doing us all a favor. First of all, we don't want, we don't want to fuck them. Let's face it. Nobody wants, no conservative man wants to fuck a liberal woman. Excuse my language. But let's face it. These, these women are so repulsive. And, and, and you know what? They, they are anti-American. And they, they don't believe in traditional values. It's sick. This is sick stuff. And this was headline news, this story. Uh, and you had another politician that is somewhere on the East Coast, I believe, that is trying to, uh, trying to give um, recommendations and directions to her constitu- constituents about not having sex with conservative men. Jesus, we, I mean, we've seen everything. We've seen the pussy hats. We've seen all, of, all the craziness. We've seen the, the, the rainbow haircuts. We've seen the nakedness in the streets, uh, you know, writing on your body. When does this end? When, when does this end? Bill, Bill, go ahead. It's not going to end. I mean, it, it goes along with the, that media that, that you put out on, on your, on your and now media you have, site today. With, with I, want, I, want you to finish, with, I want you to respond, but real quick, I just want to say, you have, you have all, all this stuff being shoved down people's throats, and you have all this le- – and I, I didn't mention this, but the, the leftist media outlets are controlling about 92% of Google search engine right now. So you have all these people that are getting misled. But sorry, sorry. Uh, go ahead, Bill. What were you saying about my media article? Well, that's what I was. I was just getting a reference to the same thing that you just referenced about Google searches and yeah. and promoting CNN and, and promoting the Washington Post and promoting the New York yeah. Times and all the other. The conservative ones are way way down, and and you get a, a small percentile of of results from that what that does yeah. is it creates a false reality for the public to believe something that's not true and that, that's right. where you have 95 percent of this division in this in this country and people going yeah. off the deep end is yeah. and they get so radicalized by the these lies because of the the content of the lies trump's a racist and he he assaults women and he, you know, he hates Mexicans, and he yep. hates families, all this, and they keep promoting it and promoting it and promoting it, and it goes back to that yep. old saying: you tell a lot enough times, and it becomes real. 
And that's what, you know, that, that's what I, a, a few months ago I was like, what is causing people to get to this level of anger over political, yeah. you know, political things? Because we've never, ever seen that before. And what I saw, and that's when I started looking into like Twitter and, and Google and things like that and found that, that on, on liberal causes, like, you know, like that one tweet I was showing you, I can find a, a hundred tweets just like that where they're falsely promoting these things. A, a, an account with a, less than 1,000 people on Twitter tweets out something, and they get 150,000 retweets and get 50,000 retweets in under a minute. And Trump doesn't get, yeah. what, 40, 40,000 at the, at the most? So that's all false. And so they create this false reality that, that gets people in such a rage and angry that they lose their, their power of rational thought. And you have these Melissa Milano's and... And that that other you know Muslim activist woman and and these people yeah. in Congress and share and all these people promoting that and most of the population are followers. That's just the sad right. reality of it. There's very few leaders and most people are followers and they're going to believe anything they're said. Anything that you say, it they can they can say well I said it so it's true and and that's yeah. what people believe now. It's like CNN's you know having sources. You know, except yeah. they never, you know, they don't have any sources. They just make things up. And people do that all the time, yeah. destroy reputations, destroy the person themselves. They maliciously go out to do this, and this is the re- this is the result through the population of their own actions. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Bill, uh, we, we only have a few minutes left, so in case I don't get back to you, please tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, you can follow me on uh uh, Twitter at Super Elite Texan. Thanks. Good show. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, go ahead. Oh, yes. I just think it's absolutely hilarious considering that the left already ostracizes themselves, uh, ostracizes the, the right essentially from uh, their circles of influence. And so they're all always talking about the Me Too movement. Oh, I've been. I've been raped or touched or whatnot. It's like, well, you only hang around leftists, and now you're going to be absent against, well, again, you're leftist. So uh, it's, uh, I think, a win for the uh, Christian morals right anyways. And um, so you can find me at uh, preferably on Facebook, uh, nationalistunited.com. Great show, Rory. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, man. Uh, Daryl, Daryl, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, to the feminists calling for a sex strike of conservative men, uh, I, I assure you that we can hold out quite a bit longer than you guys. Uh, find me at DarylKane2024.com. Yeah, you take a look at those. We can hold out a pretty long time. You look at the uh, appearance <laughs> of the average feminist. Um, yeah, so don't, don't, don't expect us uh, – don't expect us to capitulate anytime soon. So, yeah, DarylCade2024.com, great show. Um, I'll actually be on Thursday. I will not be available tomorrow, but let's talk soon and, and look forward to touching up. Take care. All right, uh, Dr. Branch, go ahead. Yeah, I, do, I just want to echo what Daryl said. That's, that's absolutely correct and brilliant. <laughs> the uh, I'm really proud of the fans uh, for going against the New York Yankees. Because Yankees boycotted, God bless America, the singing of it. I think that is yeah. outrageous. Uh, just gives another reason why liberals should not be breeding. Uh, so nice. go with that sex strike, Milano. That that works. Uh, but if, if follow me on uh, uh, Twitter at Bob Branch. That's at B O B B R A 
NCH. Okay, perfect. And uh, Mike Peters in New York, I'll let you have the last word. Go ahead. Well, I'd just like to thank you for having me on again, and uh, just you can find me here on your show. And thank you so much again for a great show. Had a wonderful evening. All right, man. Sounds good. We'll see you tomorrow. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. It's uh, been a fantastic show. Uh, I want to thank my guests, my audience, my co-hosts and sponsors. You uh, are all incredible. Uh, Remember, we're listened to in 23 different countries and on nearly 70 online platforms, everybody. Again, that's 23 different countries and on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past episodes, past clips, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit our media site, thenexgenusa.com. And remember, in the coming weeks, we will be having many notable people doing their own shows on the network, and I will be talking more in detail about that as time gets closer. Uh, Huge show tomorrow night. Huge show. Be sure to tune in uh, for some of the stuff I didn't get to tonight. I will get to it tomorrow. And uh, I hope you all have a good rest of your night. And uh, I'm Rory Sodder. Thank you for tuning in to the Rory Sodder Show. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. God bless. Cheers.